actually at one, one point on Friday, they were right outside my window and I just had a conversation with them. About what? Whiskey? No, it was not about whiskey. It was about whether or not I was supposed to shut my window for whatever activity they were doing. I was like, hey guys, I need to shut my window for whatever you're going to do. They were like, yeah. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic. My name is Mark Bylock. And I'm Jamie Johnson. And today's topic is throwing whiskey events. In fact, throwing whiskey events with friends. Yeah, I think this is what it's all about. Yeah, we um, like I feel like a lot of people do uh, have whiskey events because when I talk to people and I say, "Oh, I'm a whiskey author," they're like, you know, we. A lot of people say that they get together with friends, and you know, everybody buys a bottle or every few people buy a bottle, and then they just drink, um, and they do a lot of tastings. And Jamie, you and I do that all the time. We we uh, we either go to people's homes or we host parties as well. Um, and it's just really a great way to learn more about whiskey because you're not buying 12 balls of whiskey. People are bringing over whiskey. And you have to have small pours. You're not going through that much of the bottle. Yeah, I think I think this is literally what whiskey is all about, getting together with people and, you know, just sharing sort of a fun experience, like a fun night. It always sort of goes off the rails a little bit. Um, which it's supposed to, which is totally fine. I think that's part of the charm of having a whiskey tasting is you don't, I mean, you don't take it too seriously. I mean, you can take it very seriously, but why? Just enjoy. Yeah, just have fun. Yeah. Especially because a lot of times you'll have people of various interests um, and, and various levels of intoxication, like various levels of being able to handle their alcohol. So um, if you have parties with people that are mostly wine drinkers, uh, you know it's going to be a you know, you know, the pores are going to be pretty small um, and people are going to take it pretty easy. Actually, it was one of our um, podcast listeners who hosted his own whiskey tasting over the weekend where I sort of got this idea from to, to talk about oh, awesome. throwing your own whiskey tasting because it's so easy. Yeah. It is. And with just like a few tips, uh, you can generally, it can generally go smoother. And I mean, I guess there's different kind of events that, that you can throw, but the general one would be just to have, you know, three to 10 bottles. Um, I guess 10 is a pretty extreme number. Uh, but we usually do about 10 to 15, I guess, right? Give or take. Yeah. yeah it's a pretty good size. Don't do that. If this is your first one, Three to five is just fine. Just fine. And keep the pores nice and small. Super tiny. I I, I would, um, I keep saying do like quarter to half ounce pores. I mean, you're not going to measure them because that's no fun, but, um, but, uh, just, just the smallest pores, um, you know, uh, be, be safe about it. You know, make sure people are, are, are transiting or cabbing. Uh, when, uh, Johnny Walker, uh, Jamie and I were at an event where Johnny Walker came to our friend's home and, and had a tasting there and they they ran it it was like a promotion they're doing here and the funny part was is they come in and they you know we, we asked them we're like can you guys challenge us can we we do a blind tasting and they were like sure so they did a blind tasting and the pores were so small they're like they're basically like we gave you pores small enough that if you guys shot everything we give you and stepped out and drove a car you would still be sober and still be able to drive under the be under the limit so um you know when corporations do this they're very careful they're like we're, we're going to keep this at that level, but you really should have tiny pores because your palate is by drink number five, six, your palate's going to really get challenged. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, you know, when you start getting into doing huge, like if you do a half to, you know, three quarters of an ounce 
of a pour and you think about for every two whiskeys you're tasting that's like an ounce which is a a pretty nice amount like you you know most i think most cocktails or whatever like two ounces or 1.5 ounces so you know and and you're drinking it in a relatively the purpose is to drink it so it's not like you're sipping on it for the evening you're actually drinking slightly faster than you would in sort of a different kind of social setting so like yeah you're talking about it but you're also not going to spend 30 minutes talking about one whiskey like you you sort of do want to get through them so you're actually drinking it feels like sometimes you're drinking a little faster so again keeping the pores relatively small is a really good idea so i mean and who doesn't want to taste more like different kinds rather than you know getting obliterated after your first three and then not really being able to taste yeah and that's a great that's a good good points there we um it's usually great to have uh one person be in charge of a bottle so they are they're the ones that give you a bit of the history so they they know a little bit more maybe than everybody else at the party and they can talk about the bottle a little bit before uh or while the pour goes on also really important to have just like a bowl where people can toss the rest of their whiskey and I 100% encourage you to, you know, I think we, we have this tendency in social drinking to always finish our drinks. Um, you know, we, we pay good money for them, you know, what have you. But in this sort of setting, uh, the whole idea is for you to get a taste of it. So you, you get a taste of it and whether if you love it, you're probably going to finish that glass. Um, but if you if you like it, but you'd like to taste more variety, which I think is kind of, which is a lot of the goals. I, Give give uh, people uh, that that you're hosting the party. Give them a place to spill their drinks and just uh, toss their drinks and just encourage. Be like, look, just this isn't you know we're doing small pours. You don't have to drink everything and just toss you know and toss. And I and I think as the host of the party, um, you should be the first to start that because I find a lot of people don't necessarily do it. And you should just be the first to start pouring those drinks into a, a spittoon or or just a bucket or or a bowl and, and encourage others to do as well. Yeah, I agree. And then always having like snacks or something, you know, to eat is a great idea, um, especially doing them sort of if you come from work or whatever. Some people end up at the office at like 630 or whatever, and then they show up and they're hungry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, such a great way to get completely wrecked too quickly <laughs> is not yes. eating before you do a whiskey tasting. Have a nice full stomach like... You know, it's not like you're going to, you're not the master blender and distiller at, you know, a major distillery. So, you know, having food to eat ahead of time or eating while you do um, the tasting is great because it's just another way to help, you know, with your (laughs) drinking longevity. Absolutely, because you want to get to that fifth, sixth, seventh bottle. Um, you know, um, uh, bread and cheese work really, really well. You can do a little cheese board. Um, charcuterie works pretty well too. I mean, it might, you know, like you said, it, we're we're not. This isn't for. Um, you just want to have a good time and get an idea. But I, not, like cheeses and charcuterie boards and chips, none of these things will really interfere with your experience. Um, you know, I think even sometimes people do sweets, which you know are okay. Um, they they might mess with your palate a little bit, and maybe with your hangover because now you're ingesting sugar. But on the other hand, they're pretty great and a lot of fun to have. So you want to make sure you have stuff there that encourages people to to eat. Yeah, for sure. And water. I mean, obviously, keeping and like 
pacing yourself with the because it like when you have so many bottles there it gets really exciting because you're like so excited to try these certain whiskeys and and you're you know maybe there's one that you're especially excited and you just want to get through and like drink it all and like get to that one and then you're sort of again done sort of before you even get there so having water and pacing yourself for every sip have a sip of water also good for cleansing the palate also good for adding Mm -hmm. to your whiskey (laughs) so (laughs) exactly so that's so so far we've got the tips of having somewhere to pour the whiskey um having some snacks to start the day and have them there throughout the day um definitely having some water um and you know having somebody that that is able to tell a story about every whiskey that supports that, that there's that creates some some curiosity interest in the story and of course encourage conversation so you know, I think um, it depends depending on the crowd, right? Because we've done sometimes we just go and people just talk about them. Nobody like nobody solicits questions. They just people drink and people will offer opinions or they won't. Um, and sometimes we do events where you know the host will actually say, "So what do you think?" Um, you know, we'll actually kind of direct the questions. I find that it's better not to direct the questions in most environments. It's better just to let people drink and let people have a natural conversation because they're not just going to talk about whiskey. They're going to talk about their day. They're going to talk about this. They're going to have conversations to the side. And that's fine. The whole idea is to have a, a party. You're not, not, you're not here writing whiskey notes and, uh, and, and all that. This is just the whole idea is to have a good time and use that whiskey as a, a common topic and a theme to get back to. Yeah, I mean, they were some of my... I mean, so I started my bourbon club in my living room as you know this this exactly what we're sort of talking about getting a bunch of people together line everybody's responsible for bringing a bottle and if they didn't bring a bottle so i would i would actually because i'm a bit of a <laughs> i'm a bit of a uh, a control freak i actually decided what, what what we were tasting ahead of time so that i could figure <laughs> so i could like get you know the history and and do a little research ahead of time so i would actually say Hey everybody, we're gonna do a tasting. Um, we're gonna be tasting these four whiskeys, and whoever emails me back, like obviously you bring a whiskey, you take it home with you. Whoever wants to bring a whiskey, let me know, and whoever doesn't bring a whiskey, can you please bring a snack? And we sort of set it up that way, and it worked out really, really well because the, nobody felt like they were sort of leaving without something they've everybody brought something whether it just be like chips and bread and cheese or olives or whatever um then they spent less because they didn't have to bring whiskey but they got the whiskey tasting and then the people that spent a little more and brought the whiskey got to take it home with them so there was really no bad side to it everybody was happy to do it and i also put a end time (laughs) because Mm -hmm. as we know i can um you know i get pretty tired (laughs) <laughs> my bedtime is very early so I actually always put like 7.30 to 9 and I found that it actually made people come they actually people said like can I really like that you put the end time on it because then it doesn't feel like on a weeknight I'm coming for ever like or or, or that I'll be sort of not gracious if I leave because I've got to work tomorrow morning. So some people really liked having the end time there, especially if you're doing it during the week, because then, and I literally say, okay, it's nine, 
guys, thanks so much for coming. And then you don't have like stragglers and because you can get kind of excitable and, and you're having fun and you're drinking yeah. a little bit. And so I can imagine that some people would want to hang out. And like there's always some friends like when you have a party that it's like it's 2 a.m. And you're like, OK, guys, it's, it's time to like let's wrap this up. Like we're you know, we're all friends here. Like get out of my house. But <laughs> but um if you're going to have it on a weeknight, it's one of those things that I always just put in an end time. So people feel like, okay, I'm not going to be there all night. I can go till 9 p.m. and then I got to work tomorrow morning. Or it's good for the people that like to straggle a little bit. That's Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think a lot of the events I show is just like you kind of give an expectation time. It's like start at 730 It'll be an hour and a half. Um, and that's a great point because people don't want to, you know, on a work day, and then you typically would have these parties on the work day because, you know, you just want to make it a pretty, uh, you know, people will, will come in. They don't feel like they're gonna have, it's going to be a four-hour party. Yeah. Uh, it'll be very casual. Um, and I feel like people are far better about that for whiskey tastings where they're just like, they know it's not going to be a four-hour thing. Um, you know, I, I've a uh, friend's relative would do this. Uh, she would uh, bring out a vacuum cleaner at a certain time when she wanted guests to leave. So she wouldn't do that whole polite thing of like, we're all friends, get out. Right. She would take out her vacuum cleaner and start vacuuming. Amazing. And that was her like, yeah, I feel like, you know, maybe that's something to, to add to your repertoire of um, getting people out. But just like, okay, I'm going to start vacuuming. I, I knew somebody that when we did, it's a very similar thing. When we, we went to his place for parties, he, there would be like a lot of candles going. And when the candles start getting blown out, you, you knew that it was like it was time to leave. It was just a very like <laughs> subtle thing. But he, he would start walking around and just blowing out all the candles. And you'd be like, okay, so I guess it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that that's getting dark. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. maybe turning into a different type of party at that that's point. You don't know exactly. Well, I never. If you can believe it, Mark, I never stuck around to find out. I was always halfway <laughs> home by the time those candles got blown out. <laughs> You're like, it's getting it's dark. Getting I'm getting dark. out of here. Yes. Um, so I mean, that's those are so some... this is the key. I think I'm, I'm going to just have like bright lights on you at all times, so that like you don't get sleepy. Maybe that maybe that'll be the key. That could be that could be part of it. I think you know what when I'm having a great time, sometimes I lose track of of you know what time it is. Um, it just depends on the night. Although I must say that my habit of leaving when I'm having the most fun has always been a good bet and I will tell you that what and my husband never believed me like he he was always like "Uh, why are you leaving um but when he started leaving with me he understood so it would be like you're having so much fun you're like dancing and like everybody's laughing and like you're, you're like there's no way that this could get any I could not be having more fun that is literally when you have to be like, okay, everybody, bye, so nice to see you, blah, 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 make your exit, because I guarantee you within 45 minutes, the whole thing has gone downhill, and somebody's crying, or somebody, like, barfed, or like, well, I did this once, I went to a friend's birthday party, I left when I was having the best time, nobody could understand, they're like, but it's so much fun, it's so great. And I was like, yeah, no, it's so awesome. Yeah, I'll see you soon. And then I left and I called my friend the next day and I was like, hey, how did the rest of the night go? And she was like, well, we got kicked out of the bar because uh, my friend barfed all over the table. And then I was mad at her. And so I started crying and I was like, Jamie, 
this is a good strategy. You got to keep going with this because there is some point where there's no more fun to be had and it starts to go into like scary territory where there could be tears or somebody could get in a fight or so this is just well i have to say uh i i have not yet had a party that ended in tears that you know of or (laughs) well i mean not inside my home maybe (laughs) maybe you weren't the one crying maybe somebody left your party in tears i'm guarantee you somebody is going to listen to this and say Mark, you must have forgot about that time that I cried in your bathroom. For sure. Oh, well, that, that's very possible. I mean, I, I've certainly had um, um, uh, one time at first at a party, like, went down, we, we were throwing out uh, stuff into the, gar- into the garbage, and they um, they saw, like, um, a rock band set, set, and she's like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know, it must be garbage, because that's where the garbage is. Right. And so she grabbed the guitar, she like, always wanted to do this, and starts banging the guitar against the against the uh, drum set and it turns out there's a little tiny stick note on that guitar set that said um for building manager please don't leave please leave alone oh no oh yeah we had a security guard knock on like come through because it was loud enough the security guard heard but nobody cried and nobody got in trouble because um I, I think she i think she blamed it on an other apartment unit. oh my gosh wow see i don't know yeah i don't know this is just I, a so, good strategy for me i feel like i'm gonna continue but, but I, I i don't know but i mean i've i've seen on twitter you, you you missed out on chocolate cake on saturday and you you were very grumpy about I this see. you've been wanting chocolate cake all I sunday know. and today too to be honest i have thought oh. a lot about cake today which is like that's not weird for me like i think about cake a lot <laughs> but <laughs> but I did miss out on the kit, but I left at like midnight. Isn't that late? Midnight's late for me. Mm-hmm. It's not that's, late. That's good. That's that's three hours past. That would be like me leaving a party at six a.m. So yeah, yeah that's it's late. late. That's late. It's late. I mean, yeah, I missed cake. That was kind of a bummer. I'm not gonna say I wasn't disappointed. My friend texted me from the party, and he was like, "You missed the cake," and I was like, "What? I didn't even know there was cake." <laughs> <laughs> So well, before, before before we go on to on party stuff, why don't we uh, talk about what we're drinking? Oh um, yeah, so Jamie, what are you drinking? I have actually no idea what you're drinking tonight, so let me know. I'm drinking a uh, Barter House, which is part of the Orphan Barrel collection uh, that Ooh. Diageo put out. So this you cannot get at the LCBO. It's we just found a bottle of it in the states. Um, so yeah, the whole thing about um, these Orphan Barrels is that. Diageo bought up a bunch of um, orphan barrels. Wow. They just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> and by orphan barrels, you mean they, they came from distilleries. They came but... from other distilleries, yeah. Um, or they're yeah. just buying barrels from wherever. They actually say the word Stitzelweller on their website uh, for one of the orphan barrels. I think it's the new forged oak one um, that they say comes from the Stitzelweller. Um uh, uh, it is uh, Forged Oak Stitzelweller Rickhouses. I'm shocked that they're saying where this came from. I didn't actually think they were allowed to, but regardless, um, they've bought up some barrels, uh, some good ones, and they're marketing it as uh, you know this whole line of maybe never to be seen again sort of thing. On their website, they make it very clear that 
you know, once it's gone, it's gone. So, uh, yeah, this is a 20 year, uh, bourbon. It's great. I'm, I, I'm a fan. People are sort of hit and miss with the orphan barrel stuff on Twitter. You sort of see some people aren't big fans. It's gets accused of being gimmicky. I actually really like this barter house. Um, and I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. It's, it's only gotten better actually, the more I've sort of, uh, had it sitting around in the bottle. I'm, I'm finding that I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I mean, so in that, in that barter house, that's um, that wasn't that expensive either. I mean, it's a twenty-year-old bourbon, but it wasn't like hundreds of dollars, right? It was like reasonably priced. I think it was like ninety. Okay, yeah, it's not, that, I mean, that's a reasonable price. It's got that weird fox on the front, right? Like, I think it's a it's fox. A fox. Yeah. I always thought it was a pig, but then when I looked, I got a <laughs> bottle, and I was like, oh, that was a fox. Oh. Yeah, the tail. The tail. Yeah. 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 I'm a I'm a fan. I I would try. I mean, I try anything once, right? I'll. You, I, I've also had the old blowhard, um, which I, I actually prefer the barter house to the old blowhard. So, yeah. No, no and the Diageo did get a lot of a lot of flack for that, but uh, yeah. because they used the Stitzel Weller name and all this, yeah. but uh, but yeah, no, that's great. I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm drinking um, something a little different. So I'm drinking a, a single barrel from Scotland. It's a uh, Cragamore's. Uh, it's a Speyside Distillery. This was uh, bottled. A long time ago, well, 2011, not so long ago, but it's a 23-year-old uh, single malt scotch uh, from, and it's a single barrel, which is pretty rare. Uh, th- well, not so rare, but it was bottled by Duncan Taylor. So uh, Duncan Taylor, what they basically do is actually very similar. We did not plan this at all, but a very similar concept. They buy barrels from distilleries. And in this case, they bought, well, this is such a weird coincidence, but um, they bought barrels from Cragamore. And they um, and they aged them on premise, and eventually they said, "Okay, this twenty-three-year-old barrel, this is this is good to go. We're going to bottle it." And the whole idea is in Scotland, um, they can unless they uh, by by default they can use the distillery's name on the bottle, but they can't use the um, logo. So it'll say the distillery's name on it, but this isn't bottled by uh, Cragamore. So they are instead using the they just have it as a name, and they're not using that the distillery logo. Um, and they just have that information and the cast number, and this is bottle two of 236. Um, I got this on my f- second trip to Scotland, so I, uh, it's a very nice bottle. I, th- I, you know, it's a single, um, single barrel scotch is interesting because we don't, there's so much variation in whiskey when they blend different barrels together and you take advantage of those differences to give you a lot of different flavors. And if you do it right, there'll be complementary flavors. Um, single barrel uh, scotch is different because it doesn't that those barrels don't give you that much flavor because they're reused they're reused barrels, um, so they're not like you know they're not like bourbon barrels that are are aged in brand new oak. So now now this is like you know second time third time used barrels. Um, they get a they're very much lighter in color, um, lighter in flavor, but because it's uh, single malt scotch, it's still malted barley. It's more more a play on the barley. Uh, for twenty three year old scotch, you, you can't see this uh, through the podcast, but it is a very very light colored. I mean this this is like, uh, I mean this must have been aged in ex bourbon barrels. It, it you couldn't find a, a four year old bourbon would be darker than this. It's a super light color, um, and I I like it. it's like like it's not like a delicious amazing whiskey. It's just uh, it's a special whiskey for, because. Like I said, I bought it my second trip uh, to Scotland. Um, it um, it represents a certain flavor profile and a part of a flavor profile, and it's just a you know delicious, very um, very like kind of citrusy, acid forward sort of drink. Bottled at fifty five point three percent, 
Um, it's, not, it's, it's a good drink. I'm very much enjoying it. Yeah. I, it's so funny that we both chose these sort of bourbons, these, sorry, like whiskeys. I see, sometimes I do that yeah. and it's so bad because I'm such a bourbon person. <laughs> I say bourbon when I mean whiskey. Oh my gosh, what an amateur. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's okay. I, 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 typed, I typed whiskey with an EY in a, earlier. I know. It, <laughs> I, I, text know. You. I know. I know. You know what I you know what I did? I did it through Siri, and Siri um, defaulted to EY. I'm like, Siri, come on. You should know she better. She should know better. Oh. She's not in America. Um, so I guess back to our our party. Our party. So, so where are we in mm-hmm. our, our tasting party? We've... We've well, let's talk about glassware. Let's let's oh, do uh, let's yes. do a brief a conversation on glassware. Serious discussion. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's been you know we've talked about this before, but I mean the the importance of glassware is there. However, um, I would say have a party, and if you don't have, because I, I think we kind of you know you want to have those Glencairn glasses or the small um, wine, the the small the tasting wine tasting glasses. Um, you want to kind of the narrow top um, uh, rounded. You had a fancy way of saying this. How did you put this, Jamie? A oh, a glass of the, glass with of the, belly? the belly. Yeah. Yeah. Glass of the belly. So you want a glass of the belly with a narrowing top. Um, that's ideal because um, you want those vapors to, to just kind of naturally come up. You don't want to take a deep breath. Um, but if you don't have those glasses, that's fine. In fact, I would even say those those red crappy little plastic cups are just fine. Uh, the rim is small on those. Um, you're going to have smaller pores. You'll get something on the nose. Um, I think the biggest, if you can stay away from, stay away from broad glasses with flat bottoms because two problems with that. First of all, it's going to be harder to estimate how much whiskey you're pouring. So now when we're talking about doing small pours, it might get a little tougher to do that. And that and that large surface area is just going to cause so much more evaporation. Um, it, the, the drinks won't taste the same. Um, so I would say those little narrow plastic shop glasses are just fine. Reusing glasses is just fine. People can pour water every, you know, once in a while. But, you know, like whiskey's all basically made out of mostly alcohol anyway. So, you know, if you have, um, assuming you stage the whiskey tasting properly, which we'll talk about later. Um, but you don't, you know, like you don't want to have a peated gla- whiskey first and then go on because everything will taste smoky after the peated glass. Whiskey. Yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, we'll we'll get into it a little bit more in logistically speaking but uh yeah i i've used plastic when i first started bourbon thing and i didn't have anything else i used plastic and if you can find that sort of plastic that doesn't have a smell i find some plastic glasses have um a very plasticky smell and it really is it's it just doesn't it doesn't help anything it's sort of overpowering so um, I would agree with you on those those other glasses. Just make sure you're not getting anything that's going to smell like a plastic factory. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's so that's good. So glassware is kind of important, but I think it's I should say, but it's not so important that it should prevent you from moving forward with this. So if you want to throw a whiskey party for your friends, and um, you know, don't, don't make glassware be an issue. I, I think. Um, Typically, um, you know, with a group of friends, it is really more the social aspect. So uh, you just really want to pour whiskey, have a story, have people drink it. Um, and that's great. And I think, yeah, I, I would even I would recommend just, yeah, use, use plastic. Um, it's, it's just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, in terms of how you set up your tasting, Mark and I are big, big, big fans of, of uh, blind tastings. Yes, we have absolutely. A lot we do of love blind tasting. Feelings about blind tastings. I think 
I, I love blind tastings because I find that so much, there's so much sort of stuff that comes with certain bottles. So if you know the price, if you, you know, know it's something that a restaurant would use as like a, a, a rail, um, or it's something perhaps that you've had a bad experience with already. <laughs> I'm thinking about Jack <laughs> Daniels here. Um, <laughs> um, I, people get caught up on what it is they're drinking and the story behind it. And it's really, really nice to remove that and just make it about the whiskey. So I think contextually, it's just a, it's a really good idea. And it's also fun to do the big reveal when you mm -hmm. show people what it is they're drinking it's always like a big uproar people are like ah ah and then maybe you find out that like you're <laughs> actually you yeah you drank too much jack daniels once but now that you've taken that context away from it then you actually find out that there's something to it or there's something you know that you never noticed before because you were so repulsed by the idea of it and you can sort of let that go. So that's one of the reasons why I'm a big, huge fan of, of blind tastings is because we, I think we get so hung up on context. Yeah, and then blind tastings are just a great way for a host to host a party because um, you're, you're gonna have a different role in this tasting. You're no longer gonna be the, you're not gonna, you mean you'll be drinking with everybody, but the host will know uh, what's being poured. Um, so, in a blind tasting, it's more important um, for you to lead the discussion a little bit more because now you're going to have, you know, people tasting the things. You're going to you're going to be stepping away from the room, pouring drinks. Um, our friend Matt Mark actually, you know, he he builds things. He likes to build things, so he like actually built a box where he had like everything blind, uh, like he had all the bottles there, so he would like pour it secretly behind, like so that we couldn't see him. Um, but I usually just go like into the bedroom or into another room and just have the bottles there and just have the door closed. Uh, but yeah, I find I, I love blind tastings. I think for for me, it leads people to think more about the whiskey. They don't just sniff it and taste it. They're now now you're you're, you're it's a game. It's a challenge. It's uh, in some cases it could be a competition. Uh, it's a friendly competition, but it's it's just a challenge. And I think people you know are are more likely to to get deeper notes. And you'll actually you know see the 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 whiskey change in the glass. So you. You'll smell it once and twice and three times, and you'll you'll start seeing the differences there. Whereas if it was just um, a bigger, or it was just a open wide tasting, you might just taste it and that be it. Um, it's great to do. It, you'll get a little less conversation out of it. It'll be it'll be a little more directed, but really fun, uh, and people learn a lot. So as a host, if you really want to go an extra mile, do a blind tasting. Um, half people bring bottles, but then you get to arrange them, which I guess is the second, which is a mm -hmm. you know, which is a, another challenge. Um, order. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, see, when I've been taught by, well, I mean, you know, to keep in mind, of course, uh, your alcohol volume, you're not going to want to drink something that is super duper high in alcohol um, at the beginning of your tasting, because A, um, you'll get drunk too fast. You'll, I mean, I've done, I've mistakenly did uh, a tasting with three overproof bourbons, and it was very immediately apparent to me that I should not have done all of those bourbons in one tasting. 
but it's always nice to have something a little higher in alcohol. It's, it's always nice to, you know, try a uh, super high proof bourbon, you know, next to something else, but definitely keep that sort of at the end, at the end of the tasting, because A, you're going to have a lot of flavor and B, you're going to have a lot of alcohol in it. And sometimes that alcohol is super high, super hot. It does kind of, uh, it impedes a little bit of your, your palate. And then, of course, you might have different types of whiskeys. So you might have bourbons and single malt scotches. And um, I always find it pretty challenging ordering. So there's two, there's two different ways of looking at this. If you're going to do, um, let's say, like, you know, three to five to seven bottles, um, it's good to just do one type of whiskey, just do single malt scotch or just do bourbon. Um, because uh, it's interesting to see the very subtle flavors between drinks that are made so similarly. So, I mean, you know, doing a bourbon tasting, you know, make combined bourbon with rye. Um, but the whole idea is, is these are all new oak whiskeys. Um, and uh, the challenge there for the, the people tasting is to figure out, like, these very subtle, subtle differences in, in the drink. Uh, same with single malt scotch. Um, when you start going past that like three to five bottle limit, it's really terrific to uh, change things up with something different. So you can start with bourbon, um, give everybody a little bit of a break because bourbon tends to go pretty high in content, especially if you go into those uh, higher proof bourbons. Um, but uh, then introduce single malt scotch or then introduce a peated whiskey. The, the reason being is just you 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 really reset the palate. So so people drinking are getting used to these bourbons. Okay, oh, we get it. This is vanilla. This is this. This is this. And then you give them something completely different. And now at the point where their palate would have just been exhausted because now everything's starting to taste the same, now they're getting to the point like, okay, this is something new, um, different flavors. Let, let, let's get back into this. So I would say, you know, because uh, I think we, we've done, you know, we've done like, uh, sitting with what ten different bourbons and uh, blind tasted, and it was—I mean, by number six, um, I yeah, it it gets really tough to 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 do those tastings. And I guess the thing that I sort of want to underline is, um, it's supposed to be for fun. It's supposed to be a little messy, maybe by the end of the night. Again, stating what we originally said, making sure everybody gets home safe, but but just sort of you know enjoying it's not a test and it's not supposed to be stressful and it's not supposed to be you know whatever it's supposed to be a good time and so yeah i think i think just sort of you know well i think about like some of our 12 bottle whiskey tastings and yeah it is about number six you start it starts to get a little questionable your palate so at that point, you just have to enjoy. Yeah, you you gotta just yeah, you just gotta enjoy. It. And I mean, I think that's that's absolutely right. You're um, which is another good point. You know, you don't want to necessarily pour your best stuff as number twelve, um, unless yeah. though, I have to say, unless it's going to really stand out. So this is where this is where your kind of personal preferences and kind of the story you're going to try to tell in the tasting is important. Because if if you give you you know if you have people that twelfth bottle be something truly fantastic. That's going to stand out. That's going to make sense with the tasting. Do it. Just like half people come away being like, wow. I mean, I think it's, that's for me. Um, the uh, 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 Taylor Barrel Proof is always that one where there was like usually the last drink of the of the night. And it just always stood out. No matter what we had that day, it just yes. always stood out. Um, so it's nice to have that kind of like Grand Slam hitting whiskey. Um and it's nice to have a contrasting whiskeys as well, just so that each one is a little different. Especially if it's uh, if it's a less experienced crowd, you want to just give them something different. They're not going to care if they have like a forty five percent 
bourbon and then the 43% rye or something. They're just going to want to enjoy those different whiskeys. So you don't have to worry about it too much. Um, and you run these enough times and you might be like, okay, this worked better this way with this crowd. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's all about like taking away the stress. I think the most important thing as a host of these parties, don't, don't put too much stress on it. Uh, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Uh, the whole idea, fun, enjoyment, um, have people talk about whiskey. Uh, but yeah, we, we don't want to get into fights, whether there's like lemon or, or, or citrus, oh, sorry, whether there's lemon or uh, lime flavor, zest flavor on that, that single malt scotch. We just, we don't want to get to that point is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's supposed to be the reason why you host these things with your friends is to have a laugh and, and to, to get some, you know, some, some new drinks behind your belt. And I think the thing is, is also, it's a great way to find new whiskeys. So, I mean, buying whiskey is, is an investment. We're not, we're not talking about a $10 bottle of wine here. We're, we're talking, when you go to the liquor store, you kind of like to know what it is you're going for, especially if you're going to be buying something that's over $50 or so. And you want to make sure, I think that's why people who love whiskey always get asked that question. What's the best whiskey I can get? Like, what are your favorite whiskeys? Because if you don't try them, you're not as likely to just go ahead and drop $120 on a bottle. So it's actually awesome to have, you know, if you have even one friend who's a whiskey collector or anything, um, and they've got a bottle you're kind of interested in, invite that friend over. <laughs> <laughs> invite him to bring that bottle. But again, I've, I've, I've gotten to try so many whiskeys just through this whole, you know, the, going to tastings at Matt Marks and, and I never would have known about that Taylor Barrel Proof unless I had gone to that tasting and then I was a woman on a mission. So it, it's a great way to sort of try before you buy. Yeah, it, absolutely. And we, because I think we all, I mean, the idea is, you know, even in, um, if, if you're a casual whiskey drinker, you probably still have that one ball that nobody else has. And that's great, you know. And so in a group of 10, 12 people, you may have like four or five bottles that, um, you know, nobody else has had. And, and, um, and then I think the fun part for me too is um, even when you you have these parties, sometimes you know uh, somebody will bring something that's that's pretty that's pretty like not as so rare that's just like on the shelves every day, um, and that's not a bad thing either because literally you're now you're having all these different whiskeys now I get to compare it okay what's this like pretty common whiskey how does it stack up and you know what in some cases it stacks up pretty damn well um, so it's always good to have that entry point and kind of a um, a comparison so there's no real bad comparisons here. Um, there's no bad whiskey. There's a whiskey's always enjoyed, uh, but it's it's interesting to have that discussion and comparison points. Um, but, but yeah, usually the by the end of the night, people kind of move into groups, and then Jamie kicks them out of her house. She's like, "That's it, you're out of here." Yeah, I get the vacuum cleaner out, blow out the candles. They leave. <laughs> Invite everyone to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I literally am like, get out of my house. <laughs> so great to see you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Goodbye. It's Tuesday, it's 9.30, and I've got to wash all these dishes now. Um, yeah, I, I, I just love hosting whiskey tastings. And I guess alternatively, if you're not into it, maybe you don't have the space, maybe it's, you know, um, have your whiskey, have a, you know, a bunch of friends go over to your local pub and get a flight 
and sit around and talk about it or, or something like that. I mean, that that's sort of where my whiskey club transitioned from my living room because I couldn't fit everybody. And I just started negotiating with, you know, bartenders and saying, can you give me and my friends a flight and we'll just come here and talk about whiskey. And they're happy to do that. And if the bartender loves whiskey, get get them in on it. So, um, yeah, I think there is the whole purpose of drinking whiskey for me is to like be social and enjoy and whether you have it at your place with a couple bottles or you go with a little group and do a flight at a restaurant I think it's all good yeah and that's a great point the whiskey industry like people that love whiskey are so friendly and I um you know, like I think it's almost the opposite of what you expect, kind of that you would expect everybody to be stuck, just stuck up and just being like, no, just drink this one whiskey. But no, the general whiskey crowd is so friendly. Um, almost any whiskey bar, if whatever wherever you live, uh, if you have a whiskey bar in your town, uh, almost any whiskey bar will be able to be will, will work with you. You tell them, look, I'm going to bring six people. I'm going to bring 12 people. I'm going to bring 20 people. Can you just give me a cut where, you know, uh, you do you cut the whiskey down to like one third pours, but charges kind of a reasonable flat fee and they will in many cases, they'll do it for break even because now they've got six to 12 people in the restaurant they didn't have before. Uh, people are chances are buying beer. They might be buying other um, other um, other uh, food or something, other booze. Um, and that party typically sticks around. So if you're bringing six, 12 people and just especially kind of like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where they're not as busy, restaurants will absolutely work with you. Um, and, and Jamie, I mean, you're, you're a perfect example of this. You, you have a whiskey club that was super, uh, super central to your friends, uh, your group of friends. And then uh, you would start at your house and then you moved into restaurants uh, relatively quickly. And, you know, it started yeah. with like 12 people to 20, 30, 40, 50 people in a tasting uh, just word of mouth and um, and and working with restaurants that way. Yeah, and again, they're really they're for the most part. I I found that they're really really happy to to do it, um, and you can always you know if you're if you don't feel comfortable sort of hosting it or having everybody you know do a little research on the whiskeys ahead of time and and sort of come prepared then. If you can find, uh, you know, a, a bartender or somebody, or like just invite me and Mark, and yeah, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to your whiskey club and we'll we'll tell you all about it. Yeah, we'll we'll pour whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, we'll pour we'll pour whiskey. We can we can talk about whatever you want. So, but having somebody that loves whiskey or um, you know, divvying up you know your little research ahead of time, it doesn't have to be super intensive. You can just sit around and talk about it and taste it it's always nice to get a little background it's always kind of nice to know you know mash bills and it, it does bring a, an extra level uh, of like deepness to the conversation but i mean you don't actually need that necessarily i mean no you can just go and drink and say like yay or nay and they're, they're you have a whiskey club one of, the, one of the biggest compliments i've gotten is there's apparently a um uh, there's a whiskey group in montreal that have my book and read it and compare my notes to what they're tasting and and I don't know what they think. I, I they never got contact to me. That's Isn't that amazing? Awesome. I was like a friend, a friend for a friend that lives in Montreal told me about. It. He's like a group of my friends are actually using your book and they meet once a month and they buy whiskey based on the book and then and then mix and match and 
and, and discuss, which, you know, it's a beautiful. I mean, that was a big compliment. That was, that was a huge compliment. It's a huge compliment. That's so cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I think that, hey, it's a great idea. Why not have, you know, why not have Mark Bylock's book there? Why not have, um, like, the Whiskey Bible there? Why not... Why not go for it? If you're really, if you're really into it and you want to make it a thing, like I did, like you just make it oh, a yeah. thing. You 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 go a little deeper, but you most definitely can stick with the basics of here we are. You know, once a month, we're just gonna come to this bar or go to whoever's house, have a drink, talk a little bit about it. You can look up stuff on your phone while you're there, like, <laughs> oh, this is Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark is weeded. Maker's Mark Samuel's family. Maker's Mark this. So it can be as, like, casual and sort of cool and as you want it to be. You can take it seriously. Some people take their whiskey clubs very seriously. And you can take it not seriously. It's like, that's the beauty of whiskey. Absolutely. I've done, you know, I've done tastings of, um, I think the biggest party was probably, like, 15 to 18 people. And... And still, if you if, with the small pours and a lot of whiskey, you still like may, might lose a third of that bottle. Um, so this isn't you're not doing a lot of whiskey uh, overall. Um, so we've covered uh, glassware. We've covered kind of um, we covered glassware. We covered just kind of blind tasting, preferably. But if you don't want to host, it's fine. If you want to do a blind tasting, it's fine. Just put a bunch of bottles. Um, order we kind of covered. It really is difficult to set the order right. I would just put less pressure on that. Um, generally start, if you have a lot of people that are beginners to whiskey, start with something light, start with something that's 40% alcohol. Um, you know, I, I generally don't never recommend whiskey that's 40% alcohol. Well, with a few exceptions, but, um, but especially not in the bourbon world, uh, single malt scotch, maybe, but bourbon, 40% bourbon. I mean, come on, you may as well be drinking water at that point. Um, yeah, no, but, but you want to kind of, you may want to start with something lighter. Um, you want to have a big star in the lineup, you know, like. You know, you want to tell a story. However, you don't, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. I think is a big thing because a lot people are going to have fun. They they're going to be excited. You could be, you know, pouring. And, and in fact, we've done we've done uh, for research purposes, we've done uh, bourbons at thirty bucks. That was the whole goal. All night we were pouring bourbons at thirty dollars, and why not? Like that's we had a ton of fun doing that event. For sure, and I think uh, you know when you when you sort of talk about having fun and, and no pressure. I really, really, really agree with that. And I think the thing that's a little different from, you know, hosting a wine tasting or any other kind of tasting is that you're basically, you're not comparing unless you're doing different, you know, kinds of whiskey, unless you're doing scotch versus bourbon versus Irish whiskey versus Japanese whiskey, you're sort of comparing, you're comparing like a Pinot Noir to a Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. And you could be, and so... It's. I think some people get frustrated that they can't tell the difference between, you know, a bourbon that's the same age as another bourbon. Like, whiskey doesn't have that breadth of flavor. It's got a, a small flavor profile. So you are going to taste a lot of similar things. When you, you put five bourbons next to each other, the chances of them being completely different are very low you're just gonna you're not gonna be able to pick them out of the lineup unless it's something that you drink on a regular basis well it in if you're doing a blind tasting you, you're not gonna be able to choose your this is you know e well actually mark you did pretty much choose the eagle rare and the the buffalo trace yes. um but you're a very you that is your 
go-to whiskey, so you picked it out very easily. But for the most part, you, that's not going to happen. But Mark has been in whiskey for, like, so long that, yeah, of course, you might figure it out. But for the most part, if you're just starting out, you're not going to be able to taste the difference between this bourbon and that bourbon. Yeah. You might know which one you prefer. You might say, oh, this one's got something that I sort of like about it. I can't really put my finger on it. Um, but you're not going to be picking them out like, you know, it's, it's, the pressure is, is pretty much off, I think, in terms of, you know, figuring out flavor profiles. I, I, my palate isn't that refined. And at first I was really upset that I couldn't tell the differences, but then I realized that there isn't a whole lot of difference sometimes. For the most part, very similar flavor. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. I, I think that's um, it's excellent clarification because we don't um, when we say blind tasting, we're not suggesting people guess what that drink is. Um, that that is nearly that's really uh, that is unless, unless you drink something every day, um, it, it's not going to happen uh, in, in in most circumstances. What you want to do is um, what you want to do is just have people talk about what they like about the drink or what they dislike about the drink um, and talk about, you know, which is their favorite. Yeah. N nobody's guessing. I, it, it, whiskey just, it's it generally is very too similar um, in flavor to guess specific uh, things. So it's, it's really that. And then I think that's what you mentioned before, Jamie, is the reveal is the exciting part. Um, so what you really want to do is you want to present two, two pours or, or more, uh, but have it be a blind tasting and have people discuss what they like and dislike. I mean, you know, some people, if they want to do, a lot of at the same time they'll literally uh use a like a brown paper bag and tie up the front and you could tie up the lid rather you could kind of tell i mean i feel like bottle shapes kind of get in the way it's not a completely blind tasting but blind enough um but people just that reveal is really exciting it's like i really like this drink what was it i really want to figure out what this drink was and then that reveal is very exciting so you're giving people a, a climax of the evening you give something exciting to look forward to like okay i get to learn uh, what I liked, what I disliked. Um, and you're right. I, you know, in, um, in blind tastings, I always get, um, you know, I, I realize what I like and dislike truly because it doesn't, you know, I might even know, kind of know which is which, but I don't know for sure, but I could definitely pick out which one I like more. And that's great. That's a fantastic feeling to be freed of the labels and, and, and history and everything else. You're just like, I just like this drink. This is what I like. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. It's always sort of the, it, it just brings it back down to what it is, which is a, a drink and it's something to be enjoyed and you sort of get rid of that marketing piece and, and really let it stand alone. And if it can, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's like such a bummer when one whiskey that you sort of, you know, were maybe ah, this happened with me, um, I really liked and maybe just my palate just changed or whatever, but uh, I, when I had it in this lineup, I just did not love it. It just fell down flat. And uh, it was kind of, and then when I found out that was it, I was like, oh, but I love that one. <laughs> like I usually, I drink that all the time. And then it just really didn't stand up. It just sort of got lost in the whole thing. And I mean, that's, it's, it's, that's got to be a risk that you're willing to take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're right. And it, it all matters about the order. I mean, the order matters to a point 
um, and, and not necessarily to because uh, you're not making life decisions here. You're not figuring out which house you're yeah. buying. You're not figuring out which car you're buying. These are not gigantic financial decisions, but um, you are, you know, you are figuring out what you love, at least in that circumstance. It might change. Uh, for me, the, the great example is Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare. I will go between those two drinks all the time. Um, sometimes I want something a little smoother. Sometimes I want something a little spicier. Um, and it all depends on my mood that day. So I, you know, I've tasted those two blind so many times. I could tell them apart. And I still sometimes have a preference of one over the other for that specific atmosphere. Yeah. I just poured a little bit more Barter House. Don't tell oh, me. Oh, no. I'm, I'm into my second uh, Duncan Taylor <laughs> bottling here. Uh, so, I mean, really summarizing, what we want to do is, um, first of all, do this. I think in summary, just do this. Um, just just do, do it. it. It's a lot of fun. Um, even with friends that don't like whiskey. Whiskey is so much right now in the media and everywhere else. You could email you know, 12 friends and nine of them have never had whiskey before and they'll come. They'll just be like, we're tasting whiskey. We're going to do it blind. We're going to have something special there. Whatever it is, you're going to sell a great idea and people are going to have a great time and it's a great way to socialize. So first of all, A, do this. Um, Second of all, uh, definitely be responsible. Third of all, um, I think it's important to have somebody that pours the whiskey that keeps things moving because you want to kind of like you want to keep you don't want to have people and I think this is what happens with wine tastings and beer tastings you're drinking more volume so it takes longer between every beer and wine and that's fine Um, but you want to kind of keep it moving you want to keep it to Jamie's hour and a half because Jamie needs to get people out of her house at 9 p.m. so an hour and a half to taste you know a dozen whiskeys you got to keep this party moving so have one person that pours but don't have it be like don't for obviously don't force pours on anybody um because i find people will catch up they'll uh or they'll skip something somebody doesn't want to drink something uh you know the people that don't drink a lot of whiskey might be like skip three drinks and be like okay what are these four should i have because i'm not going to have all four of them in this group um so obviously don't structure too much and let people choose their own pace but do have you'll typically find three four or five people that will keep up and keep that pace um don't worry so much about order alcohol volume is important to go by generally speaking don't start something too strong um and also if you're having more than five whiskeys do have some variety um you can you can definitely do like a 10 whiskey bourbon tasting uh, rye tasting, sure, but it's generally good to mix it up a little bit. So maybe have bourbon and rye, or have bourbon, rye, and scotch, or something else, just to kind of wake up the palate. Um, if you want to be re- a little bit more serious about it, smell things beforehand, taste them a little bit to find out the order, but again, really not so crucial, not so important. Uh, blind tastings are great, but if you don't want to, you know, it's a lot of works for the host, so if you don't want to do that, that's fine. Um, just put a bunch of barrel, uh, bottles on the table and let people drink. Uh, but again, it just set up an order so people are drinking the same thing at the, the same time. At least the groups are. Uh, yeah, I think. And then glassware, don't worry about it. Plastic cups, better than those big heavy rocks glasses, I think is my only advice there. Um, you know, if you do this a lot, Glencairn glasses are awesome. Grab them, but not that important, in, especially when you're starting out. Uh, did I miss anything, Jamie? No, I think you got the. I think you got it all, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to do your research ahead of time, or if you if you're like me and you want to give assignments to people to do their research ahead of time, <laughs> um, and or have you know Mark's book there, or tasting notes, or you know an iPhone to look up, you know any sort of um, trivia, then I think that's also can sort of add a different dimension and 
we, we just like, and tell us about it. Like, let us know, tweet us and, and say, we're going to do a whiskey tasting because you inspire. Absolutely. Us. <laughs> <laughs> You're so inspiring. Um, we're just trying to get people to drink more whiskey. That's what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, Jim Murray's, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the Whiskey Bible before. Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible is a pretty good book to have around, too, because you'll actually, you know, he'll have scores and be like, he rated this in 83 and this in 85. Like, how do you feel about this? Um, it's it's a, just a great, great way to have, like, other resources to start a conversation. But, yeah, the Internet just usually does pretty well in that department as well. Yeah, just just have a little whiskey, talk about the whiskey, laugh, and just have a, a fun night doing something yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. So, um, to change topics a little bit, uh, Toronto is having Spirit of Toronto, uh, the Spirit of Toronto event this Saturday. Um, so next week we're going to talk all about it. Uh, Spirit of Toronto. Now, uh, there's a lot of whiskey events. There's Whiskey Live. There's there's a lot of all whiskey events that you know move around from city to city. Uh, Spirit of Toronto is just in Toronto. Well, I guess the name gives that away. Um, but the um, <laughs> but it's a really great event. I I've been going to this event every year and. People uh, from the U.S., from all around Canada, travel just to be at this event. Um, I've been at a lot of other events um, as well, uh, whiskey events-wise. And this is just a really great event. Um, we So it's going to be a very busy weekend for Jamie and I because, you know, all the brand ambassadors are coming in. There's whiskey events everywhere. Um, there's after parties and, and everything else. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit more about events because events are a great way. You know, we talked about how... Hosting your event is a great way to taste uh, a number of whiskeys that you wouldn't normally taste. Going to a whiskey event is an even better way of getting. Um, it's not as bad. It's not as you know. It's a better way of getting uh, a lot of different whiskeys, tasting a lot of different whiskeys, uh, and that. So we're we're looking forward to that. We'll uh, usually Spirit of Toronto has some rare pours, and we'll be able to report back on those uh, rare whiskeys. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. It's my first one. So uh, I'm, I just wish I could fast forward to Saturday and just, uh, just really, just put a lot of whiskey in my face. It's going to be so great. You're going to have to survive <laughs> Thursday and Friday before I get to Saturday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much to do. So much whiskey this week. Good. And then, and then there's Sunday. I'm throwing a hangover party. So come on. Sunday's going to be fantastic. It's- it's going to be fantastic. A little hair of the dog, you know. I think I think it's going to be a great week. It's going to be super fun. I hope that everybody else is going to have a really great week. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, like, I'm really excited about this, this one coming up. I spent a lot of time in my pajamas last week at home not doing <laughs> a lot. So I'm making up for it now. That's, I'm super excited. That's awesome, yeah, Jamie. That's great. awesome. Yay. Yay. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at M-E-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K. And I'm at Bourbon Thing. Nice and simple. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.